subject of isolation. This will be week two of isolation, and um, isolation in itself means to be set apart, to be detached, and to be alone. And last week we looked at a lot of occasions where an enemy can isolate you. The enemy wants to isolate you. Isolation is neither good nor bad. In fact, it's used by God and Satan. Isolation is one of those neutral things that both powers use to get a hold of you. Last week, we talked about how the enemy can isolate you. We talked about how the animal kingdom used this tactic to separate the weak and the old. We, we spoke about packs of wolves and lions and hyenas where they will hunt and stalk and they'll eventually isolate something so... So they can destroy it. We, we spoke about that last week. We talked about how Satan used that same tactic on Eve when Adam was away from her. her. Her protector, her spiritual high priest was away from her. And he isolated Eve by herself. And he began to sow seeds into her mind. And we, we know how that turned out. And we also talked about how Satan used the tactic of isolation on the apostle Peter. It was after Jesus was arrested and all the disciples were afraid for their lives and they were hiding out and, and all of a sudden they disappeared after his arrest. But Peter said, I'm going to follow from a distance. I'm, going to, I'm just going to tail him for a while. And three times he denied that he even knew Jesus. He swore, he cussed, he took an oath. And that's what happens when you get away from your spiritual support system. When you are pulled away from that which keeps you strong, when you are pulled away from those who God have put into your life to protect and to intercede for you, when you pull away from that, you will be isolated by the enemy. You are not strong enough by yourself. You were never called to be a lone ranger. You were called to be part of a body. And all the body works together. So I always get really concerned when I see someone with a lone ranger mentality. Most of those people refuse to... Take membership. Most of those people refuse because they don't like having someone over them. They don't like submission. And we talked about the power of drifting last week. How you can drift very slowly away from God and the things of God. And when you come to, when you have the realization, you realize you are so far away from everything that protects you. And you've drifted far and far from God. Not only do you drift far from God, but... When you drift away from God, you are drifting towards the enemy. It's not just a matter of a space issue. You are getting closer and closer to exactly where the enemy wants you to be. The power of isolation is a tactic to destroy you. It's a tactic to get you alone, to get you away from those who speak into your life. And we spent all last week talking about that. But this week, I want to look at a different part of isolation. Because just as isolation can be a place of spiritual defeat, it can be a place where you lose your joy. It can be a place where you lose all of your confidence. Just as it's a place that can destroy you spiritually, it can be a place of your greatest spiritual growth. So today I want to look at the good side of isolation. Last week we, we gave you all kinds of warnings of getting out from under what God has put you under. But this week, I want to look at the good parts of isolation. The, the, that it can be the greatest time in your life 
when you learn to get alone. So we're going to go through it tonight and we'll, we'll read our text, which is found in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. This has been the text for this series. And it says this, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. This is, this is what Jesus was doing. He woke up well before his partners, well before the disciples, and, and he went off by himself to a solitary place, and, and he prayed. It's, it's one of the greatest examples of all the examples that Jesus gives us. He's telling us, look, it's cool that you go to church. It's cool that you sing. It's, it's cool that you get your praise on. But, but watch what I do. I get away from everybody. I go to a place of solitude and I pray. And it's a place that's uninhibited by others. Now, if you have an active household, you know how difficult that can be. But there will be a place. There will be a time. And there is opportunity. Quit with the excuses. Because if you want to get alone with God, guess what will happen? You will get alone with God. I know there's times when you wish you had an extra few hours in your day because it seems like every moment, every time slot is taken. But there's time. There's time. And I've got to tell you this week for me. Have you ever watched popcorn popping? You start with the little seeds and all of a sudden they just start popping, popping. And, and the little seeds grow into like four, five, six times bigger than... And you have that big thing of popcorn out of that little bitty seed. That's been a picture of my mind this week. And things like to get bigger than they appear. Things like to, to, to flex up and, and just boom, 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 boom. If it could happen this week, it happened. And man, I got to tell you, it weighed on me for a while. But, but I got some victory today. I, I'll, I'll have to... I'll have to share that, that with you sometimes. But a lot of times you have tons of activity going on in your mind. And a lot of times it's bigger than they really are. If you were to take that popcorn, it crushes real easily. You, 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 could, you could eat popcorn even with if you had your dentures out. You could still eat popcorn. But it sure looks big. It sure looks like it's going to be a big thing, but it's soft. And that's exactly what happens with a lot of our minds. Boom, 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 boom. Before you know it, it's really crowded in there, right? And my head just started as a little seed. Pretty crazy. I've got to tell you that I have needed some isolation, especially this week. I had to get away. I had to take a time out. I'm like, you know what? This sucks right now. And this ain't cool. So I got to get alone with Jesus. And so I'm, I'm sharing this with you because it's, it's a place that I go to. If we look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, we hear about Elijah. And God tells him, he says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. Comma. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and Broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. That still, small voice is exactly what it sounds like. The, in the Hebrew, it means a whisper. It means quiet. It means calm. It means literally a small voice. And 
I'm going to tell you that in 25 years of really walking with the Lord, it's very rare that he ever screams at me. It's very rare that he whaps me upside the head. It's very rare that he pins me against the locker because God talks to me in a still, small voice. Elijah is looking for God in all this spectacular sounds and this fire and the earthquake and the wind and everything. He's looking for this giant sound. And God's like, no, listen, just because you see activity does not mean it's me. Don't equate activity to the voice of God because that's not necessarily true. I get nervous when people do that. Well, this happens, so God must want this. Wait, wait, what? Quit being a detective and listen to his voice. Because a lot of detectives get in a lot of trouble. They try to assume what I see must be God's will. But God isn't in that. He must be over here doing this, but God may not be in that. But what he is doing, he's talking in a still small voice. I'm going to put quite a few verses on you tonight, and I hope that you can handle it. Just pretend if not. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. His Spirit bears witness with us. That word there means cooperation. It means union. It means joined. There's going to be times when God speaks to you just about exclusively. I'm going to say in my life. It's always His Spirit. To my spirit. He's never once written on a wall for me. (laughs) He's never once shouted through a fire to me. He's never once talked through a donkey to me. Every time God has talked to me. It's in my innermost man. In that inner witness. And that's the place of cooperation. The place where he says you and me can get things done. Here's the problem guys. He's, he's telling us what to do, but very few people are listening. And, and the reason we're not listening is because we don't have that time to getting away, that time of isolation. You see, we live in a time when we are, our senses are constantly stimulated, constantly. If you don't believe this, hang out with some younger kids. Because I, I know most of us are too, but there's so much happening, there's so much happening There's so much multitasking going on right now. I mean, it's amazing. I get bored easy now because I like gadgets, man. I'm like, this is, this is all you want me to do. I got to, I got to be stimulated another way. I got to be thinking. I got to be playing a game while this is on. I got to be doing this. I got to be, I got to be checking this while this is happening. I got to multitask and there's a whole lot of connectivity, but very little connection. I'm connected with people from long lost friends from days gone by and in long far forever away. I can tell you what they did today, but you know what? I'm not connected to them. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of connectivity but very little connection and then the time of isolation. You see you don't only just separate yourselves from stimulation and those you're connected to there's times when God is going to ask you to practice some silence. How many of you like silence? Uh, it's, for, see, it's like half and half. Some of it, it makes you nervous as a cat. And other ones, you're like, oh my God, would somebody shut up, right? It just depends on your work environment. depends on your personal culture. But, but sometimes God's going to tell you to exercise some silence. 
How many of you, when you go home, there's always a TV on in the background, or there's always a radio going on, or there's always somebody talking, there's somebody on the phone, or, 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 or there's messages going off, your phone's blowing up, there's always sounds, there's, there's always things going on. And I'm going to tell you quite honest, probably one of the biggest reasons that many people hate silence isn't because they hate the quiet. The reason many people hate silence is because then you've got to deal with the thoughts that you've been pushing down. Can we can we do that for just a moment? Let's let's just practice silence. I'm going I'm going to go we're going to go 15 seconds. You ready? Go. Now, for some of you, that was real refreshing. Others of you feel really awkward. (laughs) Some of you are like, this is stupid. What's this experiment about? That's silence. It's something that God wants you to get familiar with. It's something I believe that God's calling us to. Now, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you that isolation is not natural. It is not natural for you to want to crawl away and, and get away. I mean, there's days when you're stressed out, you may do that. But isolation is... Isolation is going to cost you something. It means you've got to put down what you're doing and get alone with God. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your attention. It's going to cost you your time. And the reality is, if you're a busy person, you're going to have to carve out time for God. Because there's not a whole lot of surplus on your hands. It's going to cost you something to be isolated. To get alone with God. And you've got to separate yourself from everything This happening. And it's in those moments you have to face off with those thoughts that you've been battling. Those anxieties, those fears, those those thoughts, good, bad and ugly. You have to address them when you get quiet. The reason I'm talking about quietness and, and silence is because that's what God requires when you get alone with him. You can have a shouting time. You can have a praising time. That's cool. I've had revival in my car driving down the road. I've had tears running down my face, screaming, hollering, singing out a key. I didn't care. I was having revival. But then there's times that that won't do. There's times when the shouting stops. There's time when you're not feeling your song and you still have to get alone with God. Jesus understood the power of this. Luke 5, 16 says this. So he Himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus understood isolation. Before he named his apostles in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days he went out into the mountain and prayed and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from then he chose twelve and named them apostles. In other words, before Jesus made a big decision... He prayed all night. Now, I don't know if you think that that you don't need prayer, but the Son of God did. Before his crucifixion, Matthew 26, 36, then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over here and pray. We jumped to verse 39 and he went a little further and he fell on his face And prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 
Not as I will, but as you will. Every time God, every time Jesus did something spectacular, and every time he ministered heavily, he slipped away. In fact, I have so many verses I had to cut out. But if you get with me after class, I'll be glad to give you all kinds of verses that that we're not going to have time to mention tonight. But Jesus used isolation as a place of refilling when he had been given out. Go ahead and look throughout the Gospels. When he was healing the multitudes, he was so expended. He didn't just go take a nap. He went and prayed, sometimes all night long. And you know that if you pour yourself out, the only way to reconnect is through isolation. Guys and girls, listen, if you're married, I recommend that you have date nights. I recommend that you have some time without the kids. Because this is what happens in marriage. You become a really cool team. You become a great taxi service. You become a great tag team. You go pick up this one, then I'll swing by and get this one. And then, and then if you, if you pay that bill on the way out, I'll pay this bill. And if you, if you do this and make sure you start that, and then I'll turn this off and, and make sure you do this and, and you become a really good tag team and you become really good at life. But what happens a lot of times is once the kids leave, you look at the, across the table and you don't know who it is you're living with anymore. And the reason that happens, that empty nest happens a lot of times. And, and a lot of times marriages fall apart right at that time because they've lost their connection. So when you date, you get to actually see why it is that you hooked up with this person you're married to. You actually get to say, oh, yeah, I remember that back in the day. We used to laugh. We used to laugh about that. We used to have a good time about that. Because when you do life together, sometimes life gets messy and you lose your connection. And the same thing can be said that there's people that are dedicated to the church. There are people that are very dedicated to their ministry. But in the middle of all their busyness, they've lost their connection with God. I don't care how often you come to church. I don't care how many songs you sing. That is not connection. I don't care about your attendance record. And you know what? God's not impressed by it either. Doesn't care how many Bible verses you read a day, how many you can quote. The question God is asking is, are you connected with me? I don't, I don't like my answer some days. There have been days in my life when there was so much happening that as I drift off to bed, I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, hello God. I've been a little busy to talk to you today. There's been so much going on, and I've been guilty of that. I don't, I don't know if you have been. Maybe, maybe you guys got it going on, but you can lose your connection with God in the busyness of life, and isolation gives God an opening into your life. Isolation gives God an opening. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm taking a time out right here, because a lot happens when you're alone with God. It's not just a place for you to lift up God. You understand what happens when you're alone with God? It is a place where he can lift you up. Isolation is not your asking life. Don't please please don't pat yourself on the back too hard if you ask for lots of stuff. Be careful. Be careful not to cross over into sainthood because you ask for a lot of stuff. Isolation is a place of listening. That's why I said you got to learn to practice silence. I don't know where we got this idea that prayer is the asking session because it's not. 
Yes, ask God, but then I dare you to start listening. I, I dare you to start listening to what it is he has to say to you. So as Ezra's reading the word of God in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, he's reading the word of God and the people are messed up big time. They're crying because they know how much they missed it. And he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you know that verse? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Normally we skip all the other part. <laughs> understand when Ezra's preaching here, he's saying, listen, guys, you guys have blown it so much. You're not living up to the commandments of God. And you know what? The congregation is crying. They're so broken. They're saying, oh, my God, we need your mercy. And he's like, relax, guys. This is not the time. God sees your heart. This is not the time to beat up on yourself. You've got to understand that his joy is your strength. And when you begin to realize if I need his joy, then where do I get this joy? Because right now I'm not real strong. I need this joy that, that you that you talk about. Where in the world do I get this joy of God? It's not my joy that makes me strong. If you if you've thought that's what that verse meant, it's not. That verse doesn't mean when you get happy, you'll be strong. That's not what that verse means. It means you need his strength to have joy. So where where do I where do I get his joy at then? Because I'm not seeing it right now because I'm really weak. Psalm 16, chapter 11 says this. You will show me the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. You see, you, you don't have any real lasting strength apart from his presence. Guys, the reason a lot of nominal church people can't understand you, the reason they look at you really strangely it's because they go to church and you go to church. They go to Bible study, you go to Bible study. You sing songs, they sing songs. They read the Bible, you read the Bible, but they still look at you like something's weird with you. And the reason is they've not connected with God in a long time. They've gone through the motions. But there's no spirit. And where there is no spirit, there's no joy. And where there's no joy, there's no strength. And that's the reason so many of them get so burnt out so quick because they're working 100% on discipline. Well, I've got to gut this out. I've got to do this. I, I've just got to, man, I, I've just been stinking this week. I've got to get it together. And you know what? They fall and they fall and they stumble and they stumble and they fall just like many of us. But can you imagine walking this life without the spirit? You can come to this church. You can sing in this church. You can cry in this church and be miles from God. Wait a minute, that's impossible. Do you, do you feel the Spirit? Well, the feeling the Spirit is to those who are sensitive to Him. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I'm on this stage and the Spirit can be flowing through here, setting people free. I mean, people are just getting lost in his presence, just getting toasted for Jesus. And people in the back talking about whatever, the ball game. Bro, joking, laughing. There's people getting set free, changing their eternity. People getting set free from bondage. Listen, just because you're around the presence of God doesn't mean you have to experience it. Just because you are 
in a parking garage does not make you a car. And you can go to the, to the most spirit-driven church in the whole nation. And it doesn't mean you will receive anything if you are not connected. You see, church is not the place <laughs> that's... Yeah, it's, a, it's an educational facility. It's a worship facility. It's a place where we, we try to equip you and we try to give you tools. It's a place where we can, we can worship together and it's a place of brotherhood and, and sisterhood and strength. That's all it is, though. It, it can't substitute your dryness outside of here. If this is the only filling station you have, you are dry somebody. And this is the greatest church in Wayne County, as far as I'm concerned. If you can't feel Jesus here, your feeler's dead. But you can sure live here all day, every day, and lose your joy. Because without connection, I'm going to tell you guys, you will not make it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you will not make it with any strength and with any power if you do not get alone with God. Play church all you want. Read the Bible all you want. Quote your verses all you want. Give thousands of dollars, please, but it will not connect you with God. Nothing substitutes the alone time with God. There is nothing, nothing spiritual you can do. As important as all these things that we offer you are, they'll never replace intimacy. Never. And, and you know what? Most of us have, have kidded ourselves to believe that if we have a good attendance record, that we'll have a good spiritual life. <laughs> Where did we get that nonsense? <laughs> Oh, man. I, okay, I'm starting to be mean. I better get back up here. You'll not have any strength that lasts very long. You'd be a great sprinter. But it's impossible for you to maintain strength without his presence. Without his presence, there is no joy. Without his joy, there is no strength. Isolation is not just a place of hearing and a place of hiding. It's a place of resting. When you get alone with God, there's going to be times, David said it in the book of Psalms, there's times when my heart is overwhelmed. And I've got, you know what? I've got to go hide. Don't be ashamed to hide. Don't be ashamed to fold. Don't be, a, don't be ashamed to say, dude, I'm out of this game. I've got to go hide. I've got to go cry. Whatever. You can get your good cry on. Go get your good hide on. Whatever you've got to do, there's times when you should have done it weeks ago, but you're trying to man up and handle things. And you should have went hiding a long time ago. And God's like, I am right here waiting. I'm right here waiting. When you get done flexing, I'll be right here. When you're done bleeding, I'll be right here. When it feels like your shield ain't blocking nothing anymore, I'll be right here. As you, you keep playing your games. But when you're ready to be healed, when you're ready to make yourself whole, come see me. It is not in your activities. Oh, my God. Somebody needs to really hear that. Because we love to pat ourselves on the back about what looks really spiritual. It's a place of resting. I don't have time to get into what the Sabbath is. But the Sabbath is very critical to understand that it is a day of rest. There has to be portions in your life where you must rest. 
Those of you who think you're energizer bunnies, you think that you can carry the weight on the world on your shoulders, you think you can carry all the problems of your family. I'm the leader. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the main guy in this wolf pack. I can handle it. Some of you mamas carry everything for your baby. Some of, some of you guys carry all the stuff, all the burdens. You will burn out until you learn to hide. It is not cowardly, it is godly. Because I'm going to tell you that if Jesus had to hide away from all the activities he had, if God had to take a day of rest because he chose to, that tells us Jesus and God got away. Who do you think you are that you can man this thing out? (laughs) The Sabbath, we don't have time to talk about the Sabbath, but let's just say you need rest. Mark Driscoll says there's two kinds of spiritual disciplines, and I find myself in these a lot. There's contemplative people. Those are those who, who contemplate. They, they're thinkers. They're ponders. They're prayers. They're fasters. They're the ones that journal their prayers. They're the ones that live in their hearts, and they live in their heads. They're the ones that are full of compassion. They're the thinkers, and they just, they're very in their head about God. That's really cool. We've got to have them. Have you noticed that a lot of times they don't hang out with this other spiritual discipline called activists. And an activist just says, listen, we got to get things done. You guys sit up there and read your Bibles. You guys write down all your plans. You guys ponder it. You guys think. You guys fast. I'm going to go hit the streets. You've been around somebody like that? And, and a lot of times the activist and the contemplators, they don't get along because the activist says, listen, people are going to hell. Let's go hit the streets. We've got to get people saved. We've got to feed the hungry. We got and, and listen, here's the deal. We need both of those. We need people that spend hours in time just hanging out with God. But then we've got to have people that are activists to reach our community. And Jesus was an example of the middle of both. He spent time contemplating. He spent time in worship. But he also got his hands dirty on people he probably shouldn't have even been touching as a rabbi. So don't alienate someone that's not operating the way you are. Jesus brought the perfect example of it. Jesus was a little different because he surrounded himself with normal everyday people. But there was a major distinction between Jesus and all the regular folk he hung out with. He had a more excellent spirit. You see, he wasn't born with a fallen nature like like we were. He 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 his father (laughs) was incorruptible. So one of the things that was different between Jesus and the people around him was he didn't have a fallen nature. The Bible said he had a spirit without measure. I don't care how gifted a man or a woman of God is. I don't care how many people they lay hands on. I don't care how many people they set free. No matter how many people they pray for and they get healed. It doesn't matter. There's people that you've seen work in the gifts of the spirit and it blew your mind, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. That, that, I just can't believe that. What you just witnessed was a person with a measure of the Spirit. Jesus had the Spirit without measure. He physically got tired. He mentally got tired. He got hungry. He got flat, worn out. We're going to read a few more verses here. He did all that without measure. And he still isolated himself. With his daddy. 
You see, before he came to this earth, all he ever knew was spending time with his father. I'm going to tell you that if you've been born again, that old stuff has passed away and you have a new spirit. And the same spirit that drew you to his side that said, come on, man, let's get born again. Some of you need to go back to the day when you felt born again, when you got up from your prayer time, you're like, oh, my God, I feel like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. That same spirit that wooed you to that altar, to that place of prayer, to that conversion, to that born again experience. Is the same spirit that says, man, I didn't save you to leave you. I didn't save you just to change your eternity. I saved you to spend time with you. You see, God created man not because he wanted a really cool creature. He created man because he wanted a family. The problem with us is he gave us free will. The same spirit that gave you birth into a new life is saying, listen, I changed you. Don't leave me now. I changed your eternity. I'm telling you, you're not going to make it with any level of strength in the last days. Playing church. So glad you're here. So glad that you, you make the sacrifice. I'm so glad that you spend time in your word. But listen, spend time with God. Isolation can be your greatest spiritual strength. This is what Jesus told his disciples about busyness. Mark chapter 6 and verse 31. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there are many comings and goings, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Jesus recognized, guys, we've been ministering from village to village, from town to town. We've touched people. We've changed people's lives. We've, we've preached the good news. Now listen, there's something you and I need to do. He says, come aside by yourself and rest. Hey, this isn't my idea. This isn't some best-selling author's idea. These words are in red, baby. This is Jesus saying, you need to get alone and you need to rest. It's got the Sabbath written all over that verse. You need to get alone and you need to rest. How many of you understand the many comings and goings? Right here, Jesus saying, listen, I know you guys don't know your heads from your tails right now. You better step aside Or you will start resenting everything you're doing. You're not going to find too many people that have a resentment, that have a short fuse, that have a temper, that are ready to knock a hole in the wall. You're not going to find too many of them that have spent time alone with God. You cannot find them. I'll tell you where you find them, though. They're all throughout the churches. They're all throughout the pulpits because... They try to substitute time with God with discipline. It will not match. I don't care how determined you are. You better learn to hide. You better learn to hide. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The word there, know, means to know by experience. Listen, be still, hush up. 
this chapter talks about wars and nations going on and he's talking about his people. Listen, I'm going to speak to that which is coming against you and I'm going to speak to you both. Both of y'all be still and you better remember. Know by experience. I, I brought you out the last time. I hooked you up the last time. When you, when you thought I'd left you, I, I was right there. Know me by your experience of me. He doesn't just say read a book about me. He says look over your life because if you look over the experiences you know, you will see that I was present. Help in the time of trouble. Be still and know. Hmm. There's examples of when God isolates people. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan. He's on fire. He just got baptized. His hair was probably still wet. He just heard his father say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit landed on his shoulder in the form of a dove. He's pumped up. His public ministry started and the spirit of God drove him to an isolated place. Be careful that you don't always think a place of isolation is the design of the enemy. (laughs) Oftentimes the place of isolation is a design of God. What happens when you start feeling disconnected from people and from things? You say, God, get me out of here. But yet he took his own son in whom he's well pleased and said, you need to go to this deserted wilderness. You don't have no prayer warriors with you, Jesus. You're 12 that you've been traveling with for three and a half years. They're not coming with you, Jesus. I'm the spirit of God and I'm telling you to get alone in this wilderness place. Understand that not, all, not every isolated moment in your life is created to destroy you. Many times it's created to build you. We love to have sudden understandings when we lack a lot of it. <laughs> we run off of assumptions a lot. There's other times when the enemy tried to isolate a man of God and They tried to harm him, but then it backfired on him. I think about John. John, the beloved, got exiled to to Patmos. Put him in prison. He's been preaching Jesus. And while he's in prison, he wrote the book of Revelation about end time events. And about that love relationship with the churches and Jesus. You see, the enemy tried to isolate John. And one of the greatest things that John could have ever produced was while he was in prison. The enemy tried to isolate Paul and Silas, but at midnight they decided to have a song service. And everybody in the place, the cells opened up. The stoning of Stephen was, the enemy tried to isolate this, this, what we know as the first Christian martyr. They, they took him outside the edge of town and began to stone him because he professed Jesus. And you better know that when persecution comes, the church always ignites. I think you're going to you're starting to see it in the headlines again already where Christian people and and ministers are becoming executed and incriminated and imprisoned. Be careful, devil. 
Because what you meant to isolate to destroy, God can isolate to build. (laughs) It's all through the Word of God. Last week we talked about how depression can isolate you. Do you know if you had leprosy in the Old Testament that you weren't allowed to hang out with people anymore, right? You guys understood that? If you're not sure about it, just read Leviticus. It'll it'll straight trip you out. Those guys, you think there's people that are put on the outskirts of town now. You ought to see how they treated leprosy back in the day. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1 says this, And he came down from the mountain, and great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leopard came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There's the first problem. He's close enough to Jesus to talk to him. That's the first wrong. You're past your boundary, dude. You cannot get that close, especially to a rabbi. You cannot get within shouting distance. No way. You've got to stay on the outskirts of town. He's praying. He said, God, you can make me clean. But verse 3 trips me out because he says, And Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. And he says, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leopard was cleansed. And Jesus said, see that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony. Here's an example of a person that's been isolated by his circumstances. And Jesus still touches. He touched someone that's been isolated. He touched someone that's been outcast. Not only did he minister to in word, he put his hand on him. You're not supposed to touch people with leprosy in case you didn't know. There's an entire cleansing ritual in Leviticus chapter 13 if you want to check it out. But Jesus didn't care about what was happening to this man. He saw a need and he met him in the middle of his isolation and he touched someone that's not supposed to be touched. So if you're feeling isolated, don't think that you're isolated from God. We're running out of time. We've got to understand there's a difference in being alone and being lonely. Being alone means there's no people around you. Loneliness means you wish you had someone. People get those confused all the time. Solitude is learning. You're not alone when you are alone. To me, isolation, solitude, whatever term you want to use, is not a matter of going inside yourself. Now, this is what New Age people do. They go inside and find your peace. And, and you know, they, they've got so many things right. <laughs> but isolation is more than going inside yourself. Isolation is going into the spirit. Isolation is saying, God, I want to leave where I am to be where you are. It's not just a matter of self-medication. It's not a matter of self-improvement. It's a matter of leaving where you are and getting into his presence. You can't do that with all the circus going on in your life. You can't do it. Matthew 28, 20 says, teaching them to observe all things as I commanded you. Jesus said this, I love it. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What was it that Jesus was called when he was born? They called him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is saying right here, I'm with you always. I don't know what kind of isolation that you've been dealing with. If you feel isolated away from God or if you feel isolated away to God, 
But Jesus said in this verse, the reality is I'm always with you. The question is, are you with me? The psalmist David says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up on that mountain, your presence is there. If I go down into this valley, your presence is there. If I take up wings and fly, even in the air, you're, you're there. I cannot escape you. But you better believe you can abandon God even though he's never abandoned you. You can walk right by him every day if you so choose. This banner that you wave around in your life, you can ignore the one that saves you if you so choose. Oh, a person wouldn't let you treat him that way. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. It says his mercy endures forever. Can you imagine someone say, pouring so much into someone and they ignoring you the rest of their days? And only calling you when they need something. Some of you have experienced it. Let me tell you what happens to a human. Because we understand conditional love much more than unconditional love. You resent that person. You say, oh, I see his phone number on my phone. I know he must need something. I know they must want something. Because the only time I talk to them is when they're caught up in trauma. They don't talk to me about, hey, let's go fishing. Hey, let's go shopping. It's always... Man, I need a prayer partner. Well, what if you came to church this month? That would be a good start. I'm going to tell you, the, the, the people, yeah, I think a lot of people have learned probably not to talk with me a lot in, in counseling sessions because it's short and, and I try to help you. But historically, pastors that do a lot of counseling, it's the people that rarely darken the door. Because there's many times I've heard pastors say, man, I just preached a series on what I just had to tell this person. If they had been here in the last three weeks, I could have downloaded so much into them. (laughs) Do you know you can ignore the one that saved you? We do it every day. We've got to understand that prayer time is not always talk time, guys. The first couple of minutes of my prayer life, I don't make a sound. First couple of minutes, I just got to get quiet and I've got to center myself. Because what happens for me, I don't know, you, maybe you all are built different. But when their silence hits my ears, my mind says, let's think real hard. I don't know how you guys are wired. But when I hear silence, it's like, oh, yeah, it's my turn to talk to you. And I'm like, boom, 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 here goes that popcorn again. So it takes me a minute to tell all those voices to shut up. And then... I can hear that inner witness, that still small voice. When I get still, when I settle myself, when I, when I center myself, you've got to find a place. I don't know what your place is, but you need to have a designated place if you can. Now, you've got to be flexible because there's times when you've got to go to a bathroom stall and get along with Jesus. There's times that you can go to the back room and other times you can't. But find a place That you say this, when I am here, I'm going here for this one purpose, and that is to be isolated with God. It's my time to get alone with God. There's different ways to isolate. There's different places. I love it in nature, man. I get all kinds of Jesus time when I'm in nature. When I'm in my little boat. When I'm walking through the woods. 
Jesus and me have some conversations. I sit in my office chair. I shut the door. Turn on some chill music. And I'm like, okay. I'm here for the express written consent to hear from God. I'm going to challenge you. In times of isolation, don't ask for one thing. It's going to be hard for you at first. Because you know what? We think prayer means asking. Prayer also means listening. You're going to be blown away by how wise you become when you shut up. I found it to be true. When this mouth stops running and when this brain stops running, I get real wise real quick because God can download an idea, a thought. He can bring something to my remembrance, a verse that I'd forgotten about, a verse that I hadn't walked in for a while. And all of a sudden I'm like, there it is, there it is, there it is. And I can feel his presence surround me in that moment. It's in that moment that I would not take any amount of money. It's that time out in life when nothing else matters and it better matter to you. Because your life on earth and your ministry depends on it. Listen, broken people cannot help broken people. You want to minister to someone? You've got to be a whole person. At least striving for wholeness. At least walking towards it. You've got to find strength greater than you. If you have trouble living just for you, you're not ready for ministry. You've got to get a level of success in yourself. Before you have a lot of confidence to minister to someone else. It doesn't mean you're going to have it mastered. It doesn't mean you're going to walk perfect. You're going to have days where you stumble all over the place. And your knees and your elbows are going to get dirty. You're going to be falling around like a fool. But you can't let that be your life. You've got to get alone and get that strength downloaded. Slowly add time to it. First few times you're quiet. Five minutes seems like, oh my God, I've been in here for four days. (laughs) because it's a foreign thought to us. Start adding a couple minutes a day if you can. Get to where you begin to develop that ear to hear. We have five minutes left, guys. I'm going to ask you to do what we've talked about. I want you to get at least 10 or 15 foot away from the person close to you. I want you to shut your little phones off and quit acting like you're looking at the Bible verses. (laughs) Um, Shut your phones off. (laughs) I know some of you do. Some of you. Uh, And and just go. We got plenty of chairs in his place. Go and just sit down. And I'm going to have Marsha to put a little music on. And for five minutes. Five minutes. I want you just to spend time in isolation. And just see what God can do to you in five minutes. He said, my house is to be a house of prayer. I'm going to ask you not to ask for one thing. I want you to practice listening tonight. I want you to practice communion. Let that inner witness talk to you. You.